0: The Lord is good. I said, the Lord is good. All, all right. Can we just rise to our feet briefly? I want us to declare the Word of God every time we start to study. It's good that we declare God's words together. And like I say all the time, uh, we are inside a, a mystery arrangement. We are, we are part of the cult of Christ. There's a message I preach on that particular title, the confraternity of Christ. And every confraternity have chance. They have things that they declare themselves, and there are some that we declare here when we are starting the teaching of the Word of God, just to activate our spirits to be able to study the Word of God together. All right, one, two, let us go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I said said amen. amen. Let me just remind us again that this is not something we should declare only here. When you wake up in the morning, sometimes before you open your Bibles, declare these words, all right? Use your own words. Declare something about your own life. Declare that the word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. The truth is that if the the word of God makes you exactly what God wants you to be, many of the things you are praying for in life, you will not have to pray for them. They will come to you naturally. And that must be our declaration all the time. The word is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. The primary assignment that God's word has in our lives is not just to give us something. It's to make us something. That's what people m- must never forget. The word is making you. Jesus even said it to his disciples, "Say, said, follow me and I will give you money. He didn't say so. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It is what you become by your interactions in life with the word of God that's most important. It's not what you get. It is what you become. Christians must learn how to judge spiritual progress. Many times, people look and say, yes, I'm making progress spiritually. They have promoted me in church. <laughs> you no know, one I ever said that. I That was a joke. But people are clearly reason like that. All right? What is the sign of spiritual progress? Those who come for a Bible study will come to church. We sit at the back. But now, I'm amongst those who are sitting in front. And the fellow thinks he has made spiritual progress. I told a friend of mine I used to attend a particular church, a very big denomination in Nigeria, then, so, after some time, he left. So, years after, he saw one guy who used to be one of these boys, you know, in his, in his, he was the head of a unit. All right. Assuming the technical unit it was not technical anyway, but just to give us an example. And then he saw the guy one day on the road, and the guy's name was, uh, let's assume the guy's name is, um, um Moses. All right. Moses. So, just saw him at the ATM. He said, Moses, long time. The guy told him, wait, it's Pastor Moses. <laughs> you know, before he shook his hand, he reminded him, That, you know, I've advanced. I'm not the man you used to know. I mean, I've been a boy those days, but now I'm a pastor, you know, and you know, you have to address me properly. You know, you have to recognize uh, the uh, office that I've been elevated into, into foolishness. You get my point. It's pure foolishness. Are you getting my point? That is not a mark of spiritual progress at all. The way you sit in church is not a mark of spiritual progress. I remember there was a particular big redeemed church, those days in Lagos. Once the redeemed meets this on restructuring. And fragmented the church, you know, they were, they were big. So they broke them up, you know, they redeemed like small, many churches. So one guy cried. Do you know why? He expected that the next promotion, when they choose the next leaders, he was going to start sitting beside Pastor Tony Raku. Many of you may know Tony Raku now. That was the head of the Redeemed Apapa Parish at that time, Eric Moore, in Lagos. That it was a, it was a happening church in Lagos. So the guy was like, yes, we are moving up. We are moving up. We are moving up. And then the week or month before he was supposed to move up and join those who are sitting around, the geo gave instructions, and the church was dismantled, and the guy cried. After many years of labor, he was about to enter into rest, and then... <laughs> 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 Foolishness. That is what it is. It's not a sign of spiritual progress. Your title does not say anything about whether you are progressing or not. What shows that you are progressing. Actually, you are the one that will actually know. What it shows whether you are making spiritual progress or not is how you are being transformed. That's what happens. It's how, as you are being transformed. It's as, like if you read what Peter said then in Second Peter chapter 1, he said, there are qualities that come into you, qualities that start manifesting. It's as those things are manifesting that you know that you are actually making spiritual progress. Are you getting me? Let's quickly really read that. I think before we see that, let's read it quickly. Second Peter chapter 1. I'll just quickly really read from verse 4. Paul, Peter said, for by these, we're talking about his promises, he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises so that we may, by them, become partakers of the divine nature. Notice that. How are we becoming partakers of divine nature? It's by his promises. It's having escaped the corruption that is in, world, that is in the world by lust. He said, now for this very reason also, applying all diligence. In your faith, supply moral excellence. And your moral excellence, knowledge. And your knowledge, self-control. And your self-control, perseverance, and your perseverance, godliness, and your godliness, brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. He said, if these things are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, he said, brethren, be all the more diligent to make sure or make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Now, why I read this is to show that there are qualities. There are things that in Christianity show us that we are making spiritual progress. He said, you must supply moral excellence. He said, you apply all diligence to your faith, you supply moral excellence. All right, to that knowledge, your knowledge that is a personal revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that, to that you supply self-control, perseverance. That is what shows that you are making spiritual progress. Is as your your morality becomes more excellent. That's a sign of spiritual progress. As you get to know God more and more, as you are able to, you know. Um, um, uh, um, exercise self-control. You know, the other day I spoke to our broadcasters. The, the woman called me and said something, which is so, uh, it was quite instructive. You know, because we, we pay them in dollars and many of their broadcasters are Nigerians. And of course, because of the, the uh, change in the value of the uh, dollar that happened over the last many months. Okay, so we started with uh, was that, 120 or so. But last time we paid them, it was over 300 naira to the dollar. You know, stuff like that. so... Is that something that's just called to encourage many of their people who broadcast with them? To persevere, you know, that, in fact, they offered us some deals just so that we will not go away. Are you getting my point? They said they know these are difficult times, so that people should just learn to persevere. It's a sign of spiritual progress that you are able to persevere. Are you getting my point? And let me just say something which is very true. That's one of the most important things Christians must learn, all right? People is not people think that every time you you have difficulty, just pray, God will just walk a miracle. Sometimes God says, hang hey, on, okay, any miracle, I'm, going to, I'm just going to say how you are going to endure this particular period. Like I said, Paul said, I learned to abound. I learned how to abase. There are times things are happen, there's plenty of money. Yes, enjoy yourself. There is a time that money is not as much as before. It is not because you have sinned necessarily. Sometimes it is because you sinned, but <laughs> most times it is not because of that that God requires for you to be able to endure. It's one of the spiritual qualities of life. The ability to endure. So the sign of spiritual progress, that's what I'm talking about, is that you find that you can endure things better. You can sleep even though there's no power. You understand my point? As if there's no AC, I cannot sleep. It's not, it's not a sign of prosperity. It's a sign of spiritual, you can't adjust. Are you getting my point? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just have to learn. Say, so what is the trick? I mean, there are tricks. Me, me to I have a lot of problems sleeping when there is, um, there is no power, you know. But I, I have a few I know the corner of the room to sleep in. I know where to make progress to. I know how to open the door. I know where to lie. And sometimes my wife looks for me, the man has disappeared. Come out! I'm on the balcony. I didn't go anywhere. Are you getting my point? You know, those who sleep inside the room with that amount of heat, fine. But I just go out, stretch something out on the balcony, and sleep. And then sometimes, around 3 a.m., but i breeze you blue. You understand? You inhale. Hmm, spirit of God. Are you getting my point? Those are the little, little tricks. You know, you learn, you don't, money's not as much as it used to be. You learn how to adjust to what you are eating. Every time you must cook with okboroku and everything. Come on, sometimes eat the other kind of fish. Uh, you, yeah, you get my point. Yes. It's okay, are you, are you meeting us at the mall? Not exactly. They want to go and gather to be eating cold stone. But go are to eat hot stone when things are right like <laughs> It is true. <laughs> you must learn how to what? Abase. These are spiritual qualities. I'm talking about that. They are spiritual qualities. One of the major things God will teach us how to apportion money. Yes. God will be trickling the money in. He said, What will he do with that? I've sent him 15000 Let me see what he's going to do with it. I said, Don't say when man chop better food do you go chop? He says, This boy is not going far. <laughs> Forget it. Our cap is ministry. <laughs> he's not going far. I gave him money. All he first is, let me go and eat. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> right, what am I talking about? Spiritual progress. This is how you know you're making spiritual progress. It's not where they promoted you to, to sit in church. Are you getting my point? It's not the title that somebody gave you. It's as the Word of God is working in your life. That's why we began by saying that when you declare it, the Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. That is the aim. That is the aim. It's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. Am I making spiritual progress? Is how much more like the Lord Jesus have I become? I said something the other day, and I me, mean, I said it before me. I'm, I'm, God is walking, helping me. Like, listen, if you tell somebody, don't worry, I'll pay you between now and Friday. If you pay the fellow on Saturday, you are a sinner. If you tell somebody, I'll pay you between her and next week. If you pay the person in three weeks' time, you have sinned. If you tell somebody, I'll see you by tomorrow morning. You don't see him till tomorrow evening. You have sinned. People don't realize it. Why? You are supposed to be like God. God cannot tell you, I will do this tomorrow, and tomorrow he will not do it. Yes said, ah, are you saying we are going to hellfire? I didn't say so. It just means that you are walking short of God's glory. So you bear that thing in mind. If you're always having, ah, it's because it rained. Whether well, it's rain or no rain, you made a promise. Your words were not powerful enough to make you fulfill them. It's the power in the world we are talking about. We're not talking about your own determination. It's that when you release a word, the world goes out and goes to, starts working. That means you have not yet made it a culture of making sure everything you say comes to pass. Don't feel condemned, just realize that you have work to do. Those are the little things. Some people want to speak that sickness, go! And they think it will go. When you said to yourself, I will go, and you did not go. (laughs) I don't know whether you are getting my point. You have control on when you get up and when you sit down. You did not obey that one. You now want sickness to obey you. Come on, don't be silly. That's when you exercise faith. That's when you practice faith. Sign of spiritual progress is that I am becoming more and more like the Lord Jesus. It got to a particular point. The Lord Jesus just looked at the tree and just said casually, nonsense tree, nobody will eat from you again and kept on walking. He wasn't planning to check on that tree again ever in his life. But the tree, because the word, the power in the words of the Lord Jesus was so great, without him paying attention, the tree began to wither by itself. If you're not around, we'll the series, please go and get it. Total faith. When I taught that series and the, the habitation of God, those two Total faith and the habitation of God. Those were the things I was trying to explain to people. That you have to make a culture of faithfulness, and that is a sign of spiritual progress. Let's declare it again. The word one is walking, listen, it's changing you first, it's not getting you money. The word is, is, is changing you first, it's not just healing your body. It's changing you first, it's not giving you getting your husband, getting your wife, getting you this, getting that. The word is changing you first. That the first assignment of the word in your life is to change you. Let's declare it again. One, two, go. Now I declare that the Lord is giving me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, the Lord is good. Please, Let's just quickly get into, into a few things I want to share with us briefly. And then I didn't, I, I'm just in a mood to close on time today. All right, the Lord is good. <laughs> Let's move our Bibles to the book of um, Romans chapter 4. Now, before we do that, let me just remind us of what we discussed last time in our school of prayer here. We're talking about the fact that faith must be kept up no matter what we see around in life. One thing we must endeavor to do is to make sure that we never let faith go down. Let's just quickly read that again, the book of Mark chapter 5. The one we read last time. Yes, Mark chapter 5. Now, I'm not going to read everything, just to remind us that the Lord Jesus, a man, Jairus, by name, in verse 22, came to him, fell at his feet, and implored him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. That's verse 23. Please come and lay your hands on her, so that she will get well. And he went off with him, in verse 24, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now, from verse 25 to verse... Um, in uh, 34, we, know the, we see the story of the woman with the issue of blood that came and touched the hem of his garment. And then that caused a delay while he attended to that matter. Then while he was still speaking, verse 35, they came from the house of that man, Jairus, and they said to him, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, that is Jairus, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. We saw that the full expression in the Greek, actually what the Lord Jesus said, is only keep on believing. He said, don't be struck with fear. Don't let the things around control what you say. He said, only keep on believing. Only keep on believing. We saw that God doesn't accept excuses for us to stop believing. It rather, we die believing. And then, at the end, it will be written on our gravestones, on our tombstones, that here lies brother X, here lies sister Y, who died believing. And that must be our target. It is not as if let me say whether it works, and if it doesn't work, I will go out and go out and look for something else. No, let me die believing. We saw the story of a Saul who somewhere said, Wait, at the end of seven days, I will come. Seven days came and seemed that it was going to end. But Saul suddenly couldn't wait anymore. What was the reason? Because the Philistines had gathered against him, and Israel was beginning to scatter from him, and then he forced himself, like he said, and I said, the Philistines will now come to me. That was what happened. It was what, what he began to say. And that's what we're talking about. We have to be very careful in life that if we start something, all right, because of faith, no matter what happens, we must never change our words. That is where we begin this thing. We must never change our words. No matter what you see around, don't change what you are saying. No matter what the circumstances are saying, don't change what you are saying. Even when you start looking foolish, don't change what you are saying. We read, if you read further down the story of Jairus here, alright, when Jesus got to that house, people started laughing. If you are saying some things, people should laugh at you. Are you getting my point? Yes, you should get to that point where they are laughing at you. Things are going down. You say they are going up. They should laugh at you. I remember one young woman once. She went in the same office. Worked together for a few weeks before she left us those days. I wonder, you know, because I was so full of the Spirit that time. I'm still full of the Spirit, amen. <laughs> but... This was after almost a whole year of doing nothing else but studying the scriptures, listening to the word of God, morning, afternoon, and night, almost a whole year. immediately after my NYC. And I came to work and she was the same office with me. So one of those days, because of that, I used to share a lot with people. And there were two ladies, actually, two of them. One of them, we're still friends today, she's a colleague of mine. Okay, I, There were two of them. This, part, this one that I still know till today, she said something. once after you know, Anytime we were together, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I was always talking the scriptures, talking the word of God. And if you think life is rough now, you should have been there then. My salary in a month was equivalent of $70. And I was a post-NYC medical doctor working for the federal government. If they paid me at the end of the month, I got $70. <laughs> All right? Some people say things are cheaper. Then forget how you want to calculate it. At the end of the month, I got $70. In Naira, it was $5,000. It was 5000 We got. Equivalent was $70. Okay? Because you can easily do arithmetic. Dollar was about 70, something like that, those days. Okay? Now, so, in that one, I will speak, feeling very confident, feeling very happy. And this other lady said to me that, ah, you have found something that many people are still looking for. That was what she said to me. Because I explained my faith, my confidence, and all of those things. But the other lady is the one I was talking about. Remember, when Jesus spoke, they laughed. They were crying before he came. But he said the child is not dead. She's only sleeping. My business is not dead, it's only sleeping. My career is not dead, it's only sleeping. The nation is not dead, it's only sleeping. Power supply is not dead, it's only sleeping. Fire supply is not dead, it's only sleeping. Peace everywhere is not dead, it's only sleeping. I hope you get my point. And because of that, people laughed. The Bible said they laughed him to scorn. They were like, what is wrong with this guy? He had to put them out. Very important in your life, put people out of your life. Very important to put people out. Their words are not innocent. They are not idle words. They affect your faith. If your faith is down, you too will sink. You have to put people out of your life. How do you put them out of your life? Change the people you hang around with, who you discuss your matters with. Every little business plan you have in business, you discuss with somebody who you know does not believe. Every little thing you call your mother, you call your father, who doesn't believe. Your bosom friends are non-believers. If you know, you're not going anywhere in life. is how you know you're not planning to go far. Right now, let's not, work. let's not do, um, uh, theory. Let's get practical. Think now. Now, as you are sitting down there, think. Number one, number two, number three. People that you talk to. Let's not say your friends. You talk to. Because people are your friends because you think they are your friends. Are you getting my point? You're born, you're neighbors. <laughs> you play in each other's houses and you, this, starts 20 something years ago. So you see, no. I'm talking about what you want to gist. Who do you gist with? Think about it over the last few weeks. Just think about it. Who do you spend most time talking to on the phone? If you have to go out to go and sit somewhere, who will you call? Think about it. Think of four of them. If four of them are not Christians, you have a serious problem. If four of them are not real believers, better change them this week. I'm not, I'm not, talking, I'm not joking. I mean that literally. If the people you spend your time discussing with don't have the kind of regard you have for the word of God, put them out of your life. If you don't, you see, spiritual things, the way they work, alright, it's interesting. You, may know, you won't know the effect it is having on you. Like I said to you, you may think you have faith. It's whether you have it or not. It's not how you feel about it. It's only when you talk and your words respond, alright? Things respond to your word. You know you have faith or you don't have faith. It's not how you feel about it. And I'm telling you today, if you, okay, let's say, okay, hey, girls, we're hanging out tomorrow, Alright? I was going to spend the whole evening. You're a lady. Alright? So you're hanging out with the girls. You suddenly hang out by seven. It will not end till ten. Think now of the four people you will call to go with you. If they are not faith talking people, your life is going downwards, not going upwards. I'm telling you the fact of God. I'm not missing words about it. The boys have to hang out. You call as I'm talking now, you're thinking of four people, four that you will call and go and sit down and you start talking about life and they don't know the word of God they don't know how to encourage you with the word of God when you, are, when you are speaking God's word they are opposing it and you are still going there listen, this is a matter of fact your life is heading down, it's not heading up no matter how much you enjoy their company when rats are about to eat poison that will kill them, they enjoy it yes, they keep eating they keep eating they keep eating poison does not always taste bad that's what the Bible had to say Blessed is a man who does not walk in the council. It's where you walk, where you sit, and where you stand. It's not how you feel. It's not what you want. It's where you walk, where you sit, and where you stand. That is what matters. It is not how you feel. You are looking for counsel about marriage. <laughs> hey, Jesus is Lord. Though. And you are talking to somebody who tells you how they do in their place. In our place. And every time you say, hey, my husband, in our place. You want to talk to your wife? In our place. And you are still talking. Your marriage is going down like this. It's not going up. You need the power of life injected into you on a regular basis. When Jesus got to that house, before we got there, he first told man, don't be struck with terror. How did, it, let's, how did he say it again? In um, the amplified? I just want to get that one out again. We the it last time. Amplified Bible. Which verse? 36. Okay. He said, Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Only keep on believing. That's what he said. Do not be struck, be seized with alarm or struck with fear, but only keep on believing. That was the first thing he told people. How do you talk? How do you respond? That's the first thing you do. Make sure you are responding according to God's word, not according to how you feel. That's the discipline of Christianity. That is self-control. And then, put people that drag negative talk out of your mouth, out of your life. Are you getting me? Mean, put those people that pull negative talk out of your mouth, put them out of your life. That's what I'm talking about. Listen. Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom, You put your hands on the plow, you don't look back to check who's (laughs) following. You put your hands on the plow, you don't look back. He said you have to hate father, mother, brother, sister, friends, cousins, co-workers. What else? Village meeting. Some Christians are very funny. Let me tell you, some of those village meetings, you don't have to go. It's not a fine. If you know the value of your faith, you will gladly pay the fine. If you know the value of your faith, you will gladly pay the fine. They say, everyone that doesn't come is 500 naira per meeting. Check out. 500 naira. My words will remain more powerful. Amen. Take the 500. Let me buy. It's called redemption. To redeem. Yes. The word redeem, that's what it means. And he say redeem the time. It means spend money to acquire more time. To redeem the Bible literally means to go to the market and pay a price. I don't want to teach you Greek. Literally, redeem means to take out of the marketplace. That's what it means. You pay something. Always costs. You can't have good faith, and it won't cost you something. It will cost you relationships. Whatever you do, you put people out. Jesus was saying to them, teaching us from here. If I want my business that I said is sleeping, not to be confirmed dead. I have to put out everybody. It's not, You see, words are not just opinions expressed. They are powers released. <laughs> Don't think words are just opinions expressed. They have spiritual power. When you hear them, they cause your heart sometimes to fail. And Peter will sink in front of the Lord Jesus if the heart goes down. People feel negative words stop answering their call. Next time they call, don't pick the phone. I was calling yesterday. Ah, my sister, sorry. Don't say more than that. I was calling yesterday. You didn't pick your call. What time was that again? Three o'clock. Ah, three o'clock. Sorry. Sometimes when it gets too much, say, listen, let's be honest. I I, I like those that God give boldness. I'm not saying I have that too. Some people just take bull and say, listen, let me tell you why I don't pick your calls. <laughs> Anytime I talk to you, I'm discouraged. <laughs> you are a discouraging influence in my life. I make less money after talking to you. I say, look, what did you say? Let me be honest with you. But your father won't say it like that. Let me tell how you say it your father. I said, that the time I talk to you, I'm discouraged. And that my, my, my spirit just goes down. You make me see all the negative things of life. And many good things are happening. That's why I like talking to mommy. So if you have any message for me, tell mommy I'll call her. <laughs> what do you mean? That's not true, I talk. I've enjoyed it for one and a half years now. Some people actually repent. Some will repent. Next time he calls, he wants to prove to you that he goes to church. Call he say, Andrew, it is where? <laughs> said, don't worry. Things will be better. <laughs> you have won your father. Are <laughs> you getting my point? The Lord is good. Oh, yeah. But it's very important. We put people out if they are going to keep our things dead. Are you getting what I'm saying? If they will keep our things dead... We kick them out. Your business may be sleeping. They think it's dead. But you said it's sleeping. Your finances is not dead. It's just sleeping. Your joy is not dead. It's just sleeping. Are you getting what I'm saying? Your hope is not dead. It's just sleeping. And your faith must be alive and active. And kept going. Jesus said to that man, What made you come to me in the first place? You had faith that I could help you. Keep that faith up. Don't be struck with fear. Don't be alarmed. Only keep on believing. And that's what we're talking about. How do I keep on believing? We've been talking about how to lift up the rod of God in our previous series, all right, the previous messages. How do we lift up God's rod? What I've been emphasizing is what we talk about all the time. And what, last time when I spoke about this, well, just to let us know that things will go down sometimes. In fact, if you read my book, faith, Great Faith Can Be Yours. One of the last chapters, if not the very last one, in it I explained, I said sometimes Isaacs die, but the spirit of Isaac will never die. Are you getting my point? That it happens sometimes in life that we get discouraged. Things that we did not think will happen, happens, all right? And then we get discouraged. But the Bible says, do not be struck with fear. Don't be alarmed. Only keep on Believing. What I'm trying to bring out is that what does a man do, what does a woman do that's a sign that he or she is keeping on believing. What I want us to read today is from the book of Romans chapter 4. And that's going to be our practice. I want to talk again today about thanksgiving, very important, the habit of giving praise and thanksgiving to God as a sign of faith. Romans chapter 4, quickly, let's go down there. We want to look at the man Abraham, how he handled things in his life as a sign that he kept on believing the book of Romans chapter 4 now I'm going to around verse um, 20 but um, let me look for where I, I want to digress listen, let me say it again enemies can't stop you from progressing they can't, they don't have the ability or the capacity to do that I like the way, was it uh, you or Israel, reminding me when we were coming back from my the other day, that if you explain something, that people still talk about God, as if he and the devil, they are fighting, you know, Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. That's how they look at God. It's Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. Let's see who will win. That's an insult. So you see, God is on one side, the devil is on the other side. The devil now came and said, I will not prosper. The devil now came and said, I will not progress the devil now came and gave God an uppercut in my life. And God now fell down. And the referee was counting, one, two, three, four, five. At that count of eight, brethren, shout, Amen! Praise the Lord, my God, got up again. That's how we testify. Say, for 15 years, the witches, they tied me. And my God, all that while he was asleep. And the devil was beating my God on the floor. Beating my God. After 15 years, my God now provokes the witch to confess. And after the confession, I'm now free. Obviously, you are saving Buddha. It's obvious. You're not saving the true God. The devil doesn't go near where he's standing. I hope you're getting my point. He doesn't. When they wanted to attempt Adam and Eve, he waited before evening. like God came this evening. He didn't come in the evening. He waited the next day. He said, God will come around 4 o'clock. He went by 2. Because <laughs> once God comes, he disappears. He doesn't hang out. People think that the two of them are boxing each other. That's why we give those kind of stupid testimonies. That the witch confessed after 10 years that they are the reason why my family has been suffering. They are the reason why my father's business went down. And are the reason why my father fell sick and then he died. The witches, what happened? They have confessed, and that is victory. Ah? Lord, have mercy. The truth is this for those who don't know it, I'm digressing, Apostle. Let me digress, I'll come back to the message, don't worry. The truth is that the devil and God are not equal and opposite, fighting who will win. God is judge, He's king. Is the only person that has control in your life. He's the only person. He's the only person. The only thing the devil does is to show up as Satan. We've talked about Satan. And he comes to tempt, he comes to accuse, and to deceive. Three things. Those are the three things he does in the life of the believer. To deceive, to tempt, to accuse. If you handle him well on the first two and you know how to say your prayers effectively, you shut his mouth on the third one. Because if he accuses effectively, God is judge. He has to rule in his favor. If the devil takes a child of God and slams him, he has to obtain permission from God. Say, this is your son, he's deserving of slam dunking. So he carries a man throws him into a basket. Wah! And you cannot... There's nothing you can do to that devil. Because he got his permission properly. The only thing a Christian does against the devil is... One, when he tempts, you reject the temptation. You say to him, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. That's it. When he tries to deceive, what do you do? You use the word of God, feed yourself again with truth and knowledge. Are you getting my point? And know what to say. In response to, and listen, oh God, I'm digressing, but they are little, you have to be careful you don't fall for little, little things. Remember, little, little things. That is, Satan is very, very smart, all right? That's what he does. Okay, let me give an example. Has this ever happened to you before? You know, there's what they call, you know what they call omen? Omen. I don't mean the film, I mean the English word. Omen. All right, so maybe you are going on the road. Um, there are buildings in, the, in this world that don't have floor number 13. If you enter the building, it's 1, 2, those high-rise buildings. 1, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 14. They jump 13. Yes. There are little things like that. What is the reason? 13 is supposed to be what? 13 is an unlucky number. So that's why people, you know, they generally avoid it. Now, let me give another example. When we were young, they told us that there was one man in our place, very, very rich. He had a lot of money, plenty of money. Plenty of it. A lot of it. So they said, you know what they told us? When he was, one day while he was walking, on his bald head, a bird flying past, shited on his head. Have you heard that thing before? That's shit, shit now. It's a shite. Okay, let's see in English. A, a bird flying past, defecated on his head. like that one? Or let's use the American one, the poo on his head. <laughs> there's a, there's a belief in um, Western Nigeria that it makes you rich. Yes. It's a sign of good luck. And you're good on the road, bread just they fly past, just do one for your head. And that's happened to you before? It's happened to me before. <laughs> oh, it happens though. People think it's a joke just like, ah, what, what's going on? i was saying, which is not a witch, just a bed trying to, to look for a toilet and you happen to be around, <laughs> you look like a good one. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, this is where I'm going. So, there are some good ones and bad ones, all right? They'll tell you if you see an owl at night, bad, uh, bad sign and stuff like that. Now, this is what I want to say. Now, listen to this very carefully. The Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. You know what it means? Faith is what? a fight. You have to be deliberate and aggressive about some things. This is what I mean. If a good omen happens to you, reject it. If you are going on the road and the bear sheets on your head, wash it off and don't think anything of it. In fact, say it out loud. That's not a sign that I will be rich. I knew I would be rich before you began to shit. It rhymes well. Yes. I knew I would be rich before you began to shit. All right. <laughs> Say <laughs> it like that. Reject it. Don't say, ah, bread shied on my head today. I know I'm going to be rich. The reason I want to do that, you've stepped into a particular realm and you have to walk in that realm. So you have to just reject it entirely. In the same manner, this is one that's more, most dangerous for most Christians. When you see a bad omen, don't pray about it. If you pray about it, you believe it. You yeah, get what I'm saying? Why should you pray about it if it's not true? It's February 13th. You start declaring the word extra. You get a problem. If they say today is the 13th. They say, and stop reading in the name of Jesus. On behalf of God, I command you today never mistakenly open the horoscope page in any paper. Satan is very tricky. What does he do? You know this guy is a man of God. Woman of God. Studying scripture. He just tell you that you are Capricorn. You just open paper that day. You think these things are not jokes. They don't Satan don't arrange them. And God allows him that. He has arranged. Because he, remember, he's a tempter. Yeah. He has arranged a young lady, you are twenty six. You open paper, you are Capricorn. That said, today you will meet Aris. And it's a sign of good to come. Aris, you are joined to him in destiny. You read it, you don't think anything of it, now get to work that day. And one dashingly handsome killer like this just shows up that day, speaks nicely, and along the line he tells you, uh, Do you know today is my birthday? Almo Aries! <laughs> so like, you, you don't want to believe that thing, but the guy is too fine. You actually don't want to believe it. But he's speaking well. You actually don't want to believe it. But every other... Ah, so something inside you secretly. Like, you know, there's one scripture I like when I discovered it. David said, and Job was speaking. He said, have I secretly stretched out my hand in worship to the moon? Nobody was there. I looked around and I just said, moon. Sometimes inside our hearts we secretly stretch our hands to horoscope. Because he's saying something positive about us. Some will say, take the good one, reject the bad. No, you have to take anything you follow. You take everything he gives. Job told us, if God gives good, we collect. If he gives bad, we take. That's why you have to learn how to reject things totally. 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 Only follow God's word. Cause that's how Satan gets. That's where that's where you know, little little tricks. He gives only the good until you are used to it. That's what he does. He gives just the good until you are used to it, until you believe it, until you start arguing that ehm, the horoscope is not ideal for a Christian. But when I say it, it's not ideal, but just know you, are, you, are, you, you you don't think it's not ideal. Just occasionally it can confirm what God is saying in your life. <laughs> it's called Satan's Traps. I learned that expression from the Red Prince. I've heard it from other men of God confirm it. It's, anyway, the Bible condemns, it calls it divination. And the Bible is called divination. God hates anything called divination. Let me tell you something about Divination. Divination is divination no matter who is doing the divining. If it's a pastor that's doing it, it's still divination. Yeah. What do I mean? Let us pray. Pastor, pray. If I marry this girl, will it be good? It's divination. Ah, I would say, ah, poor pastor. What is I was supposed to do? You know the way you formed it. You want to know the future about this girl. It is not about what is it the will of God. I, I, that, listen, go and read my book. The, the first chapter of that my book. What is God's will here? I explain the meaning of the word. What is God's will? What What is God's will? God's will is not what will what happen if I marry this girl. Will it be good? That's divination. The will of God is different. The will of God is it pleasing to God that I do this? And you don't carry a girl to a pastor pray, sir? Is this the will of God? Again, that's the divination. All of it is divination. All of it says divination. What are we even saying here? All of it. If you are a pastor, you are, pray, you are joining those prayers. You are a diviner, and your words will soon fail. Every single one. Everyone you say it to be good to be bad. The one that you say to be bad to be good. God will disgrace you in the society. <laughs> What are you supposed to do as a pastor? Teach people God's word, yeah. teach them righteousness. When we were young, those days. Oh God! <laughs> I remember my father wanted to start his own business. There's one man, woman that they all used to go out and meet, white garment prophet, prophetess. She be speaking tongues. I was a little boy. I I went there at least, at least twice that I remember. I went at least twice with my father. And I remember I went with my cousin once. They will kneel down. She will speak tongues, and then you give offering, you go. My mother told me something years ago. That when the woman saw, I said, Ah, we don't see you again. My mother said, See who in her mind, see who. After God has delivered me, I'll still be coming. She made a statement and said, Everything that woman prophesied that was evil always came to pass, no matter what we did about it. Came to the family house once and said, She sees death, death around the place. They should fast seven days, seven weeks. Away. Everybody fasted and prayed. Then my auntie took a title in their church. They were celebrating the son entered her vehicle, sat at the back, it was a pickup. The driver will run over a speed bump. The boy went, entered into the air, hit the road with his head, and died. After all the prayer. And I remember why they used to go there it was simple. Let us find out what will happen. And it's pure divination. People don't know, it's divination. Let us find out what will happen. Listen, the Bible says, commit your ways unto the Lord. He will direct your path. Not go and pray and say, let us find out what will happen. And I, I still remember, my father wanted to do one business at that time. The woman prayed and prayed. When he finished, I said, remember. She used some words. That was my first time of hearing that word. Ote. That's conspiracy. And enmity is what will end it if he tried it. And so my father lived in business. So. These are the ways poverty enters into your life. God wants to bless you. You are doing divination. That's it. The omen of the divine. <laughs> removes God's blessings from your life. Don't ever go to a pastor to go and pray. I want to do this. Find out today it will work. That's divination. The Lord is good. Oh, is this is Christianity we are talking about. This is Christianity. What did I call it? Because I'm not talking about Judaism. What we as Christians want to know is, is this the will of God or it is not? We don't seek to decipher the future. We believers want to know, is this in accordance with God's will? It's not whether it will work or it will not work. There are things that work and it's not the will of God. Many of them. For us, it is about what I'm doing. Is it in line with God's will. It's not will it work or will it not work. Don't come and say you want to marry, you have three, the picture of three girls, all of them from your local government. You now want me to pray which one is God's will. You are a sinner already. So all the sisters in your church are from your local government. You should know you have a spiritual problem. All the men that are, that are chasing you, the one you want me to pray about, all of them are from your local government. Of all those hundreds, you're just those ones that are from your local government. Say, Pastor, pray. Which one is the will of God? A lot of times people think that they are trying to find out God's will. It's divination they are doing, and God does not believe in divination. That's what I mean. There's a difference between seeking God's will and being and doing divination. I, I, I digress into that, alright? But let me just go back to the main thing I was trying to say earlier. Before I now go back to the main thing I was saying. Now, <laughs> What I was saying is that avoid Satan's traps. Don't let, don't believe any omen at all. If you see a snake in your roof, you know what it means? There's a snake in the roof. Kill it and throw it away. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you are going to die. Nobody will die in your life. Don't worry about it. Because your life is not preserved by the absence of snakes in the roof. So their presence is not a sign that you will die. Mm. Are you getting my point? If you see an an owl at night, you know what it means? Owls normally come out at night. 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 That's what it means. And you are lucky, you are blessed, you have seen one eventually. You know something happened the other day in my office? Very funny. I don't know why I've deleted the picture, I'll show it to you now. I entered my office. I sat down. If you've entered my office in the teaching hospital there... I have a very nice office, in fact. And some other day; they were so impressed. Nice office. So I have a nice couch, which I told the guy making it to make sure that I can sleep if I need to sleep in the office and all of that. So I went and sat on the couch. And I have a normal executive chair. All right, so I, when I sat on my couch, I suddenly saw the side of my chair, the, the normal chair. And I saw one massive moth, not a moth, butterfly, a moth, big one. I just under the seat. If I sat in the chair, I wouldn't see it. So I said, "Wow!" When I saw it, I grabbed my phone, put it on the camera, you know, so I could really take a picture of it. One of my colleagues with me. He said, "Ah, Oga." Okay. He said, "If not me, not to cast her out." The guy wasn't finding funny. He said, "I hey, take richie." The guy turned on to quarrel. I hey, take richie. He hmm. Hmm. said, Oh, God, hmm. they send them. We know things like that. <laughs> I told him, I said, You see, this is what your problem is. I said, At your age, I, I said, Look, this. I said, My friend, be quiet. I was so angry with him. This guy is a consultant, too. <laughs> no, not a small boy. I, was, I said, My friend, be quiet. You've come again. Come, let me take my picture. So I went different angles, snapping it. Then we saw another one, smaller one, on my microscope. That one was even blacker than this one. He said, okay, there be two. <laughs> you know, we were laughing. But I knew him. He believed it. So he said, what am I going to do now? I said, nothing. I can't kill a moth. I can't be chasing it. So I got up, sat on my chair and left it there. But I we left the office that day. I just locked the office. I left the two moths there. That maybe when the women come to clean the following working day, they will be able to evacuate it. But I cannot start chasing moths around this afternoon. The guy just looks, okay, well, that's the way you like it. Because I'm not saying when nobody is looking, you will pour oil, holy water, because of butterfly, Lepidoptera. Is that not the, the phylum, Abi? or class. We learned those in primary and secondary school. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. Listen. those are the two things people do. And actually, they are baits of Satan. They are. They are. They feed off your faith. They drag life out of your faith. That's why you have to resist them. Alright? Like I said, that's a digression. That's a digression. Let's get back to the meeting. We're reading something, right? Romans chapter 4. Okay, I said we should read the whole portion before I got... Um, you know, sidetracked into that. Yeah, from verse 16 into um, to 25. But because we are spent so much time talking about other things, I will just um, be brief. Well, I will jump as I'm reading. So now, for this reason, it is by faith, in order that it might be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the Father of us all? As it is written, The Father of many nations have made you. He said, In the presence of him who whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead, and calls into being that which does not exist, or that caused those things that be not as though they were. I like that expression very much in the King James, it's so powerful. In fact, actually, the alternative rendering in my Bible, New American Standard, it says literally that this is what the literal Greek says. King James is very accurate in that. He said, cause the things that do not exist as existing. So King James is very good in that. He said, that, cause he the things that be not as though they were. He said, in hope, against hope, he, Abraham, believed so that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. He said, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Please, verse 19, very important. If you are reading the King James, note that very well. King James says he contemplated not his own body, but the literal Greek, the true, the correct rendering, which you find in every other translation about from King James, is that he contemplated his body. Which means he saw, he knew what was going on, It analyzed it. He was aware, he was not ignorant. Faith does not mean you don't know the physical things happening. It just means you know something else that's not physical. You know something that does not exist, physically speaking. But you know it to be real, though it's in the realm of the spirit. That's what faith is. in I said that he contemplated his own body. Now as good as dead. He knew, he knew that. Since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb... The Bible says in verse 20, Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. He did not stretch into unbelief. But he grew strong in faith. How? Giving glory to God. That's why I read out of this. Verse 20. He contemplated his body and as he was contemplating his body. Alright? What did he do? He kept giving glory to God and that was how he grew strong in faith in the face of the things that he was seen, that were negative. That was how he grew, grew strong in faith. He said, give glory to God. Verse what now? Sorry. 21. All right. Giving glory to God and being assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also. To whom it will be credited uh, accredited, as those who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Now, why did I read all of this? Like I said, the main thing I want to bring up from that is that verse 20. He said that even though Abraham saw what was a, a negative, he did not refuse to see it. He looked at it, he was aware of it, he knew the situation. Faith does not mean I'm refusing to see what is happening. Faith does not mean I'm not aware of information. Faith simply means that beyond the physical information, I have believed and have accepted spiritual information. If you see earlier, it said in hope, against hope he believed, which means that hope, I said it to us earlier, hope is the derivative of information. That is, you hear something, then you have a conclusion. Hope is not a wish. No, hope is an expectation based upon evidence. Are you getting my point? For example, the clouds are gathering, so you expect it to rain. Whether you are the one, whether you are organizing a party or not outside, you expect it to rain. Why? The clouds are gathering. It doesn't have anything to do with your desire. The reality is that you have seen the clouds gather, so you know rain is coming. That is what is called hope. Hope is an expectation. But then expectation, like I said, is decided by the kind of information you have. The information... Of nature, of life, of what he could see was one, but it's another information which is the word of God. When God said, "You, you would, he said, what do you give me? seeing that I go, child." God said, "No, you will not go, child. I will give you a son. His name will be Isaac, and all of that." And when he believed that, that was that created a new expectation for him. Information of God's word always creates information, uh, expectation. In other, he chose the second one so that anytime he saw the information of the first. He always recited that which God said. I hope you can what I'm saying here. He recited that information so that his spirit would be aware of the expectation that's derived from God's word. And what am I going to explain here? In the midst of what is wrong that he could see, he had to consciously give God glory. That was how his faith was strengthened. Let me talk about that briefly and i close with it. I want to talk about giving God glory. I said something earlier. Let's get it clear. God is judge, amen? Amen. Nothing will come into your life that he does not permit. Let's get that clear. He is not struggling with the devil. We must understand that. He is not struggling with the devil. What does it mean to give glory to God? To realize he is the one that deserves the glory. Many Christians give glory to to the devil. Why have I been sick all these years because my enemy said I will be sick? That's giving glory to the devil. Are you getting my point? What does it also mean to give glory to God? To recognize beyond the fact that he's the one in charge of your life, he actually has offered promises. And he's saying to you, if you accept what I have said, that will be the manifestation in your life. What am I trying to say here? This is my expectation. Whatever the Lord has said is what I continue to declare, and I continue all the time. You know, Like I said at the beginning, I want to talk about this issue of, right, of give-making, glorifying God and giving him thanks, a habit all the time. That no matter what comes my way, like Kekflashen will say, I will realize that my life is in his hands. Do you get my point? Like I said at the beginning, he's not just trying to give me something, he's working out something in me. He's developing me into something. He's not, he's, I'm not just getting, I'm becoming. Now I realize all of this, so anything I see in life, I'm consciously saying to the Lord, thank you. There's a book I recommended here some time ago. One I first read it many years ago as a young Christian. I didn't know what the man was talking about. But I think it's a good book. I look back now. It's called... Um... No, no, no. The name of the author is Melin Caruthas. Uh, no, The Power of Praise, yes. Uh, he asked prison to praise. That's very beautiful. That's, uh, that's the story of his life. The one after that, I think, is The Power of Praise or Power of Tensing, something like that, by Merlin Carothers. Something like that. I think The Power of Praise or something like that. If you read Prison to Praise, it's a very beautiful book, it tells you the story of his life, how he became a believer, and how he got filled with the Spirit and the things that God did by his hands as a military man. Very beautiful book. Then you now read the, the Power of Praise. That's what I'm talking about. The man just described how everything that happened, then people come to him, a bad thing will happen they will sit down and they start thanking God that that something bad happened. We that when in the school of faith, that time we say, no, no, no. You give God thanks despite what happened. He said, no. The Bible says, for everything, give thanks. Ah, my brother, the thing was tough. So we just, we had the middle of the road. So, okay, if a bad thing happens, we we'll give God thanks, we we'll worship him. That even though the devil has taken away, we will still worship him. Mm-mm-mm. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we should do what? Give glory to God. We should be careful not to give Satan any glory. The impression that he's the one that does things in our life is wrong. Even when God allows him, are you getting my point? Even when God allows him, we must be careful to realize that I'm talking about Christians. What God is saying that, listen, your issue is still with me. Are you getting me? The devil may have come to obtain judgment against you. It is possible. It is possible I allowed him in your life. It is possible, but never focus on him. He is not your problem. Do you follow the point I make here? It is important we always see God in our lives. It is very, very important. And no matter what we see around, let's be careful all the time to give Him praise, to give Him thanks, to literally give Him glory, to literally give Him glory. You don't want to give somebody glory? It means to ascribe to him the greatness that is due his name. Many people ascribe to, You know, there's a book I got sometime a few days ago. I'm reading the book now. The brother gave me the book. He said, how do I think? As I, was reading, I said, this kind of gist. I'm, I'm not getting time for this kind of gist. Tell me how marine spirits lay the foundation for Nigeria. I said, my friend, will you be careful? Because God is waiting for the marine spirits to finish. Then whatever they leave behind, he will not take over. I'll finish the book. Shall Let me not talk too much yet. I read the book. I said, this guy is not giving God enough glory as far as I'm concerned. He said, when Nigeria started, it was because the gathered together and formed the country. I said, are you okay? You, you, have you ever read the Bible that God rules in the affairs of men? That he sets the boundaries of men? That he set the boundary for the oceans? It's trying to prove to me that Lord Lugard and Lady Fleming, whatever her name, and all of those people, they gather together. Uh, no, not less of so, this woman that... Um, uh, Flora, sure, uh, huh, that, uh, they, they, uh, that one has mommy water spirit, that one has a bungee spirit, the third one has a dominating spirit, the other one has a monitoring spirit. <laughs> all, huh? I'm not saying they were not a U- people, people, maybe they were. But they don't give them this kind of power. Because they don't have it. I've heard a genuine testimony from a woman that was a practice, well, indirect, like. Okay, you heard something now. I know you to be credible and you told me that you heard it directly, all right? So just one person between many and that said it. This woman was a real senior witch. Not all these small girls in university. I'm talking about mama witch, been a witch since she was a young girl. Senior one, practicing, nobody say repent to. <laughs> Still in the business. I explained that, listen, before they can do anything, there is a realm of light they have to go and obtain permission from. I said, I'm happy you are saying that because we knew it before. Some will make it look as if it's only the remnant that God takes over. So anyone that God, they can't kill, God will not accept. I said, we are here because they overlooked us. The witches like when children were young, but they forgot. So we, can't, we will not give our lives to Christ. That's like, oh, well, that way if we don't die just now. Nothing like that. Though. The Lord looked and said, thus far, and no further. And they said, yes, sir. They moved back. Don't touch that," say. "But we want this one." Say why, and they give arguments. God say, "Okay, fine." It signs the decree. That's the only way they can move. I hope you're getting my point. What's my emphasis? Listen, let's close because I have other things I want to make prayer in a bit. And then, what my emphasis is: How did Abraham, all right, sustain his faith despite the fact that he contemplated his body? How did he sustain his faith? The Bible said he was what? Always giving glory. To God That's what I'm talking about Let's rise to our feet quickly And let's give God glory Let's rise to our feet Let's quickly Let's give God glory Remember what I said in the third commandment You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God Kingdom of what people I know you know it You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God And place it on a vain thing Yes Most people understand that you don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain Deuteronomy Hebrew says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, of the Lord that God for a vain thing. That you won't take God's name and place it where it does not belong. What does that mean? You don't take the glory that is due to his name and ascribe it to somebody else or to something else. You don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that. For example, if somebody helped you, you can be appreciative and tell him thank you. But he's not the source of your help. God only used him. That's what it means. If you say, ah, wait not for this man, I won't be alive today. You have placed the name of the Lord, thy God, on a vain thing. Many times, you know, we see it on the other side, but we forget it on the, one other angle. When something, like maybe look at Nigeria, now maybe dollar went down, like they say, the devil is, the devil can't. There are powers it does not have. The Bible says the Lord broke the staff of bread. You have to credit him with what he did, yes. even though it doesn't look good to you. Right. He's the one that breaks the staff of bread. When, he, when, when um, what is his name? Um, David sinned against him. He sent a prophet to David. He said, listen, I'll give you three options. One, three days in my hands. Two, three months before your enemies, running before your enemies. Three, three years of famine. It was God that gave the option, not the devil. David now looked and said, ah, things are rough. Man, this is terrible. He said, go and tell the Lord. We will stay in his hands for three days. Why? He's merciful. (laughs) (laughs) David was very smart. He knew God. He said, God cannot endure three days of suffering. Forget that thing. The one who do our faces like this at the end of the second day. (laughs) And exactly what happened. The angel that God sent. Very terrible guy. The guy murdered people. The whole of Israel did it in one and a half days. He now approached Jerusalem. (laughs) David said, Ah, even Jerusalem got to the Wait! That's when they went and offered sacrifices. Oh, and I say, it didn't cross David's mind that it was the devil. He said, we're the ones that sinned and provoked God to rule against us. I hope you get my point. Let's start with something. Just give the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for Nigeria. Thank you for the price of the dollar. Thank you for the staff of bread that was broken. We acknowledge you, we give you the glory. Say, Lord, it is you. Let's just say, Lord, it is you. We declare that it is only you. We declare that it is only you. You are the king of the whole earth. Let's declare. This is very important. This is very, very important. We must constantly give him glory. We must constantly give him glory. We don't give the glory to another God. We don't give the glory to the devil. You don't say, as if we prosper only when the devil forgets us. No. Say, Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the glory. Let's give him glory. For your life also, begin to give him the glory. The Bible says he did not weaken in faith, he did not become weak in faith, but he kept on giving glory to God. Get on declaring you are the God of my life. Even when things did not work out the way I wanted them to work out, you are the God of my life. It is just between me and you. It's not me and the devil. If I do not give room to the devil, he can't come in. So if he's in, I gave him the room. Say, Lord, you are the God of my life. Lord, you are the God of my life. it. You are the God of my life. You are the God of my home. You are the God of my destiny. You are the God of my health. You are the God of my life. You keep me. You are the one that sustains me. Food does not sustain me. You sustain me. My hard labor does not provide for me. You provide for me. You are my provider. Let's give Him the glory. Give Him glory. Give Him glory. That's what it means. That's what it means. To so give Him glory. That everything comes from you, everything comes from you, everything comes from you. You are the judge of the earth and you are my father. You are merciful unto me. Thank you for your mercy, thank you for your mercy, thank you for your mercy. Say, Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. We give you the glory. I want us to do another thing. Just think back for when things did not work out well. You lost something. You lost money. You lost something precious to you. You wanted a job. You didn't get it. You wanted a promotion. It did not come. You wanted something. It didn't happen. Somebody died somewhere, you know, dear to you. Whatever. You lost something. Somebody stole your stuff. You did an investment. You lost money. Whatever it is. Think about it for a moment. Now begin to worship him over that. Say, Lord, I thank you for that. Say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the years that the locust ate. Thank you for the year that the Palmer worm destroyed. The Lord will thank you. Lord, even though it was not good, I still say, you are my God. The devil doesn't have any part in my life. He can't rule over me. You are my judge and you are my father. Say, Lord, I am not angry with you. I am not. Because you are forever good. I like what the Bishop Uedipo said. He said, the Lord said to him once, if you lost anything, I am the reason why you did not lose everything. David sinned enough for more people to die in Israel, but God showed mercy. Say, Lord, for where it ended, I want to show you mercy. I want to say thank you for your mercy. You were the one that showed me mercy. It could have been worse, but for where it got to, I want to say thank you. Thank you because indeed, I'm not even deserving because of my own works to be alive and be here today. I'm here because of your mercy. So I can't be angry. I cannot be angry with you. Say, Lord, I thank you. Indeed, you are the Lord of my life. Indeed, you are my father. You are not just my judge, you are my father. You are the one that shows me mercy. Yes, when David sinned against you, it was because of your mercy that Jerusalem was not destroyed. You were the one that said, angel, enough. Say, Lord, thank you for the enough you said over my life. Thank you for the enough you said over that situation. Thank you, Lord. Say, Lord, I am not angry. How can I be angry? what would make me angry with you? Okay, even if I wanted to be angry, what would I do against you? Say, Lord, I worship you again. Let's raise those hands, raise both hands, and raise those hands in worship. Just raise those hands in worship as a sign of surrender. Say, Lord, we worship you. We worship you. I raise my hands as a sign of surrender that indeed you are my God and you are my king. Say, Lord, I thank you because in everything you are working out the purpose of your will in my life. Thank you that your word will still come to pass. In fact, your word is coming to pass. In the midst of adversity, I give you thanks. I worship you. Lord, I know that there is sufferings in Christ, but there is glory to follow. Thank you for the glory that will follow. Thank you for the glory that you are working out in my life. Thank you you, for how you are conforming me to the image of Christ, which is the main purpose you have. Lord, thank you that even in the midst of my troubles... Yes, I was being conformed to the image. Even when things didn't work out right, the way I thought they should, that is, what I call right, I was still being conformed to the image of Christ. Thank you because I developed self-control. Thank you because I developed endurance. Thank you because I developed perseverance. These are qualities that are in me, which me which makes me a partaker of divine nature. Which makes me a partaker of divine nature. Which makes me a partaker of divine nature. Say, Lord, otherwise how will I have developed perseverance? How will I have developed endurance? Thank you, Lord, because you worked out in me. The trial of my faith works out patience. Thank you because patience is developing in me and is having its perfect work. I will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Say those words to the Lord. Say, Lord, I, that is why I worship you. That is why I surrender to you again. Say, Lord, thank you, because you are with me in my going out and my coming in. Yes, I don't go out alone. You are with me at all times. Your angels, they guard me, they surround me right about. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Our Father, we thank you for today for truth, for the fact that you are indeed running our lives. We give you the glory. The glory is yours. In the name of Jesus, the glory is yours. In the name of Jesus, the glory is yours. I said, in the name of Jesus, Father, the glory is yours. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. We have some powerful ways by which we release the unction of God into our lives Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessings. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time. This is my season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus. Don't forget, bless somebody on your left. side. This is your season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of one other person. This is your season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus. All right.